Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, your life coach. Doing what we can here on this program every day. Two full hours of uh, life fest, we're calling it. A love for life. Life zest. Mmm. Zesty. Mmm. Little word affiliation program here. When you think of the word zest, what do you think of? The spice. What do you think of, Merit? I think of lemons. Lemon zest, don't you? I think of life. I think of college. That's where I learned a zest for life. Not really. Nope, I didn't think That's so. where I yeah. lost I my say, zest for life. On the program today, we're talking college and, um, you know, how, how to get through life, how to get through college without wasting all your time, without wasting all your money, still getting the degree, but having a leg up. A lot of people are spending money, and lately I've heard a lot of people saying they don't think college or you know university is worth it anymore. A degree, not worth it. What do you guys think? You're Depends here, obviously. Well, and you're yeah. about you're about two weeks away, two months away from being done. Is it worth it? Um, we'll see. We'll see. So we'll see. The existing experience wasn't worth it enough. Well, the existing experience was pretty good, but you know. Let's not rest on our laurels here. <laughs> Who's Laurel? I don't know, but she needs to quit letting people <laughs> fall asleep on her. That girl. She's got to stop that. So uh, how about you, Merritt, so far? You're a sophomore? I'm a junior. Junior. Yeah. Worth it? Um, I'm going to say yes. The tentative okay. yes. Yeah, well, A, you got a job on I the Matt Townsend show. I do have show. a job on the Matt Townsend show. Which in and of itself, I'm sure, has profoundly changed your life. It's true. Okay. I've, yeah, I've been changed for the better. Did you know that Sky was a nobody before he came to the Matt Townsend show? I did know that. Well, I mean, I knew that in the fact that I didn't know who he was before I came yeah. to the show. So. Now, when people call in, they're like, hey, Sky there? I want to talk to Sky. <laughs> Sky's that Sky? And we're like, Sky won't talk to anybody. Everyone wants to talk to me, though. They mm-hmm. don't really want to talk to you. I know, it's weird. It's like they'd rather talk to you, and then you're always like, have them talk to my agent, which I think is weird, because I don't even have an agent, but you have an agent. Aren't you my agent? <laughs> no. Oh. Because I have them talk to you. Oh, do you? Is that yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not your agent. Oh. I, uh, you need an agent. <laughs> I do, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. You need one bad. That's how famous I am. You're getting huge. Yeah. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> College, is it worth it? I mean, I think it's totally worth it. You merit? I think college is what you make of it. Whole, okay. That was very deep. Look at all philosopher on us. <laughs> well, here's an example. Yeah. So I've done some classes and some opportunities where I'll go and I'll be like, well, what can I get out of this? Which sounds pretty yeah. like low. But well, I think so. What can I get out of it? Yeah, selfish. I know. It's always about you. But out of those classes, like you get these opportunities or you get connections. But some people don't do that ever. Yeah. So No, some people are just jumping through the hoops. Yeah. So if you just go through school and you kind of do the bare minimum, then you're not taking advantage of everything. I agree. Then your degree becomes the participation award. Yeah. And 
Uh, participation awards are not all that useful. Well, and especially when you walk out and all of a sudden it's really the people that have connections and other insights that maybe get the jobs instead of the ones that just have the participation. Degree. Yeah, At least so more if, so. If you need like letters of recommendation, yeah. you better build a good relationship right. with some of your professors. Hold on. Listen to, let's have Sky listen to that. Sky, did you just hear that? Um, something about building relationships. Okay, and... yeah. Nope, you're about a minute <laughs> behind us. Merritt, go through that one more time because that was a really big point. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Sky, ready, you'll Sky? need to hear this. I'm listening now. Okay. Sometime in your life, you're going to need letters of recommendation. Uh-huh. And to get those, you should build relationships with your professors. Totally agree. If you ever want a letter of recommendation from me, <laughs> and by the way, my name's on this show, you got to start, I don't know, um, sucking up. <laughs> I don't think it's worth that. See, like how many just, times have you I'll said you don't bring us food? Really, a good letter of recommendation would mean you brought me food. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to ask you for a letter of recommendation then. Hmm. Weird. Really? I don't think it's worth sucking up to After you. After all the years we've spent together. All the one year we've spent together. Has it only been one year? I don't know. Oh, it felt so much longer. I know. <laughs> I mean, in a good way. It feels good in a good way. Well, I want to write you a letter. I, I'll let you know. When you're ready to go, I'll write you a letter of recommendation. Okay. Okay? Okay. I'll also write the parole board. Okay. Maybe I can get off parole. Uh, that's what we're hoping for. <laughs> Again, that's why you're here. Stay focused. Sorry. <laughs> School, um, I, when I guess, are you all right? Are you hot over there? It's really hot. Because <laughs> we were just saying how cold it is. Really? Yeah. Who was then, saying that? And then Hannah Montana Hannah? turned the heat up. Ugh. Well, Sky and I did just run up from campus. Oh, that's I was too. booking. I passed yeah. Merritt. That's he it. passed me. I was jogging. I was yeah. like, hey, I was Merit. not. I didn't feel that yeah. sense of urgency. <laughs> I thought you guys could start without me. <laughs> Back, you, you can take your headband off, Sky. He always wears a headband. And he's got like kind of fluffy hair. No, you just wear your headband. And, um... But it just looks like, I don't know, it looks like a really tight belt on some sweet hair, some sweet, nice looking locks of luscious red hair. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, I don't know, like a really tight belt on a squishy ball <laughs> pulled as tight as you can. Or on a squishy person. <laughs> like a corset. It looks like your head's got a corset. Uh-huh. That's it. That's it. You nailed it. See? That's why we're a team. Um, I went to school, and I they didn't have the degree I wanted, so I ended up taking a bunch of classes I didn't want to take. What did you hmm. want? I wanted to be a, a dancer. Did you say that? Did you know I was going to say that? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> why did you know that? Because that's what you always say. I know it's your dream. I know it's your dream. It's not a, a dream. It's a reality. It is? I dance every night. I believe you dance but I every dance. night. Who do you dance for? Myself. Okay. Has it ever been your dream to dance for other people? No. Oh, okay. That would be weird. Would be I'm a horrible dancer. <laughs> I'm not dumb, but I, I'm someday I will be the best dancer in my own room. In your own bubble space? <laughs> in my own general area that I can be. No, I wanted to be someone that helps somebody talk. I wanted to be a talk, a communications talk expert. Like Matt a wanted to be a me- therapist. A, no, I was no. going to say like a megaphone. I wanted <laughs> to be like a megaphone, but so like now today we have names for it. We didn't have names. I wanted to be basically a mediator or a, like an expert in communication. So everyone says, "We'll go do therapy." So I went to the therapy route, psychology route, and guess who I ran into? Freud. 
<laughs> the dude's messed up. I mean, yeah, he's, he's all He's all kinds of weird. Totally. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I like my mom, but not, not like that. <laughs> like, I appreciate all the things that she did for me. Not yeah, that much. Not though. that much. So that was weird. So I'm like, I don't want to do that. So then they said, we'll go to law school because that'll help. So I took some law classes, pre-law. No. Disgusting, Most isn't people it? hate each other. <laughs> Anything can it's not work. super great communication no. there. Uh-uh. So In I'm fact, like, it's quite the opposite. Yeah, right? It's, it's trying bad. really hard to say one thing and mean everything yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do? They don't have the degree. And that's what I think is happening. I think we're trying to train all these people to go be something. And they don't even have classes for what's going to be in 20 years. Right. So we're just, you know, we're just shooting blanks. Killing nothing. I imagine all of the, you know, I don't know. What's a job that's defunct now? Um, All uh, all the typewriter uh, repair people. The the map designers. Yeah. The paper Uh map designers i'm sure those gone. guys the cartographers. cartographers yeah that's a word cartographer gone i know that's not a job yeah. anymore no done we have satellites up in the air taking yep. pictures see you we've talked about this on the show it used to be that if you could type you were the bomb like i remember in high school they said you learn to type your life is set <laughs> yeah my i've got an eight-year-old that can out type me <laughs> and i keep telling him dude you are gonna kill it in the world but he types at eight. What's the big deal? It's not a great skill set. It's just kind of what everyone has. It's kind of like operating a remote at this point. Yeah. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? And then our kids get there, and then you got to go take general ed. Like, give me a break. Isn't high school general ed really? I mean, I'm not. I'm not dissing, but I've I spent eons in university settings. You don't get two degrees and a doctorate. Not to brag. You don't get that everywhere. But it's because I couldn't stop because I just like learning, but I don't like learning what they tell me to learn. That's why it took me forever. <laughs> I didn't follow their rules. It's messed up. You did um, your own general education. I did. I studied everything, <laughs> even stuff I didn't want. But I hear you guys talk all the time about stuff you don't want to have to do a test on. Well, that's most of the tests. Yeah, I was going to say a test in yeah. general. But did you ever have a class that you loved that you, what, what, you were like, oh, I'm, oh that's it. I'm on it. And you just love the class. Yeah. What? I've had a few. Give me one. Come on. Um, Come on. My world humanities class. Hold on. What? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because I hated that one. That takes brains. I like brains. <laughs> really? Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> I like having them. So you like world humanities, sky favorite class on earth. Um, I've had a few I really enjoy. Other than guitar okay. and superheroes mania. Well, I was going to say guitar, but... Um, I knew it. But you can. That's good. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of guitar classes. And, and you actually make really good money teaching guitar. Mm-hmm. And I've enjoyed my sound, my audio engineering classes. Have you really? Yeah, I've had a lot of cool ones. And I enjoyed scuba diving earlier this semester. I took that, that class. A good I class. liked that one. That was See, you all like scuba. I liked, I liked uh, weightlifting. If you had to pay, you did? <laughs> yeah. You took weightlifting? Twice, and I'm taking it next semester. Hold on. Have you ever lifted a weight? <laughs> uh-uh. That's why I like it. You just kind of show up and So it's easy. You just, yeah. If you're in the gym. If you're in the gym, you, you get credit. Yeah. yeah. Do you, don't you just like move the pin around a lot and then Well, I'm, I walk around and make it, so it look it like, like I'm yeah. lifting and exercising, yeah. but I just like, you know, move this pin and then go to the next one. <laughs> I like how yeah. you added some breath in Yeah. That was good. <laughs> Do a little stretch here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're wearing your cape and your tights. Yeah. 
Is that where that's where you got your cape caught in the weights, right? One time and they got caught strangling. In the weights. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that worked out. Like See, to that. me, as if I was a parent and I'm paying for you to go do weightlifting, honestly, I'd rather shoot myself than pay for you guys to go do weightlifting or scuba. I to actually, me, that's a waste as a parent. I liked math in high school. You did? Yeah. Did you have you type college math? My senior year of high school, I took college math at the University of Iowa, but so you, you didn't, never oh, really? since. Okay, see, this is what frustrates me. Should you guys be taking scuba to graduate from a university for crying out loud? They require us to take a physical education I know, credit. I know. That's crazy. If you don't have something like that, though, that's fun and stress relieving, I, I would go crazy. What if I could tell you you guys could have been done two and a half or a, half, a year and a half earlier? If we got rid of some of the stuff that you're taking, irrelevant. I would get say you into a field. I would say yes. We know. So start your own university and do that and change the world, Matt. Would you want that? <laughs> if you started it, don't you think? I mean, half the general eds. Honestly, it'd be great. We need you well rounded, but it also seems like that's what we're doing in high school. Aren't we well rounding you? It seems in high like school? we covered that part. Yeah. You know, for the past twelve years, to have to then do it again in college and then prolong it. It just seems like philosophy. it's crazy. Uh, no, the philosophy is a deeper thing. I think. No. Then scuba. I'm I mean, taking, no, no pun no. intended. I mean, scuba, you went deep. What'd you go? 100 feet? No. 300 feet? 305? Just say it in the mind. 3,700 feet. <laughs> 3,700 <laughs> feet deep. <laughs> yep. No wonder you passed. <laughs> you're you're going to die scuba diving. I can already tell. Um, anyway... I don't know. I'm just paying for it. And I apparently am going to be paying for some of my degrees forever because, you know, they're expensive. And well, you sad. could just fake your own death. I hear that's the only way to get out of it. <laughs> really? Or in the very least, just make your kids pay for their own dang degree. Yeah. But again, then they got to go take uh, – would you guys have taken different classes if you were paying for every penny? Maybe you are paying for every penny. I don't know. I feel like – I feel like I romanticize it, and I think I would, would have done things differently. Yeah. But really, if I had been faced with the prospect of paying for every last little bit of my college, I probably wouldn't have gone to college. Really? Yeah. I probably would have found another route. Yeah. Well, I think that's the choice a lot of people are making. That's why we're doing the show. What percentage of kids graduate? Anybody know? Okay. The average number of kids enrolling to college every year is 2350000 Wow. But the average number of graduates a year is yeah. only 1.8 million. So we're losing 7, yeah. 0.7 million, 700,000 dropouts? <laughs> yeah, it says the average number of college dropouts per year is 1.1 million. Wow. So it's yeah. a problem. It is a problem. What are some other numbers? Some other numbers? <clears throat> How long does it take to get a college degree today? Too long. Okay, that answers it. <laughs> Too long. Would somebody get him some water? <laughs> I'll get him some ice. Skyboy's like about to pass out. He's wilting. He actually looks pale. Oh, I'll, I'll get you some oh ice. wait. <laughs> Just kidding. We love you. Wow. Mouth to mouth. <laughs> what else, Merritt? I have some interesting college classes that you can take. I want to hear that. Yeah. If you're talking about useless classes, you can talk. There's a class um, offered at Stanford that is iPhone application development. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. There's money there. There's a class. Offered at Oregon State University that's called Harry Potter, Finding Your Patronus. Oh, my Lord. Okay, I just died a little inside. <laughs> Are it's you kidding? It's actually a leadership class. Okay, okay. Okay, yeah. Okay. It just has That doesn't make it better. Little... Nope, that, nope. Yeah. There's one called Lady Gaga and the Sociology of Fame. 
I think that sounds super interesting. I'd take it. As a psych major, I have a little bit of interest. I yeah. could, I get that. Yeah. Okay. That I mean, cool. It's just money. <laughs> um, here's some other things. A cool club that you can join. I feel like this one's for Bryce. It's the People Watching Club. This is the University of Minnesota. Yeah, but that's where all those awkward, yeah. weird guys go that just watch people that are kind of creepy. <laughs> they just don't want to be weird with their binoculars. Yeah. Everyone's got binoculars. It's <laughs> not weird. Love. Don't worry. Hey, ladies. Oh, that's bad. Just reminded me of Sky. Sky, do you remember I first met when I first met you? And I was walking across campus, and you had your um, binoculars out. Oh, that time we first met. Mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about the other time. And I kept walking met. up, and I just kept seeing this guy with binoculars. And I'm like, that's weird. I wonder what he's looking at. I'm surprised you saw me with my camo on. Yeah, that was weird. Well, you were in the bushes, but the bush, it was winter, and there were no leaves. Oh. So you were just Is that why everyone kept looking at me? Limb. Yeah. And I'm like, and finally, you got to help me with my camouflage. And I'm like, what are you looking at? And then you said in that really creepy way, you. (laughs) I'm like, what do you mean, me? And he goes, I've been, you just like, I've been watching you for about a quarter mile now. And then you're like, my name's Skyboy. And then we were best friends. So I'm like, Skyboy, (laughs) do you need any help on your radio show? (laughs) Mr. Townsend, I'm like, how do you know my name? And you're like, I've been following you for years. See, I knew I was going to be working on your show, so I was researching you. Creepy. <laughs> but apparently there's a class for it. At what university was that one? Do you remember? University of Michigan. Well, you're in the wrong place, Sky. I was going to Michigan then. Yeah. We had to go right. abroad to study. Make it happen. We're talking what the best college students do. How do you take advantage of your kids and your, uh, you know, time in college? We're going to call it time like it's a prison sentence. It doesn't have to be. We can make it work. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break, learning more about uh, better college practices right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about college advice you know, it costs a lot of money for parents, everybody, to get to college and uh, to go there and waste time, to waste money, to end up doing some classes that maybe, you you know, are a waste. It's going to cost you. And so we thought, you know, our very own Bryce Tobin has only got, what, two more months of school. Feels like two and a half years. Yeah. Well, we'll slow it down for you. That's good. Then you got to go enter into the, you know, the ugly world. The, the cruel, awful world cruel, is awful world. waiting to receive me. But you, in all your wisdom, and in your four-plus years of attending... Let's call it six-plus years. Let's call it what it is. Whoa. Someone's a little pokey. Well, I'm just, you know, you let's were, be honest. You were busy. I you was went, busy. You went on a mission. I had things to take care of, right? Okay. Well, yeah. And then, the yeah, the record. Now you're back. Six-plus years later, this is what Bryce Tobin has to teach. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. When you're a college kid, you get asked for advice from people on their way into college or from people with children heading in that direction. What they're really asking is, how can I get the easy A? Well, I have good news and bad news on this front. Bad news, there aren't really any easy A's. Good news, though, I do have advice that'll make my life better. Whenever I'm asked, what advice do you have for my kid who's starting college? I have a prepared response. Walk faster. Doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're walking somewhere and you aren't paying attention to your speed, you aren't walking fast enough. So walk faster. The rest of us have places 
places to go. Having to walk around you increases the distance to my destination, which decreases the amount of time in which I have to work when I'm there. And it increases the number of calories I expend walking, which means I have fewer calories for thinking, which means I may get a bad grade on something and it'd be all your fault. And do you want to live with that guilt? While we're on the subject of walking, do the world a favor and don't do the freshman blockade. That's where you and six of your friends are walking side by side, talking to each other, taking up the entire sidewalk. When the rest of us have somewhere to go, we will walk through your group. Or if one of us is having a particularly good day, we might give one of you a good shoulder shove. You know, just to get the point across. Another bit of advice I give is to abandon guilt. You don't get a degree for graduating guilt-free. You get a degree for having the grades. You need to start thinking opportunistically. You need to become an academic hyena. I'm not suggesting you do anything that's morally reprehensible, but everything has a gray area. And when you make choices in a gray area, any guilt is self-inflicted. Stop this. Do what you need to to get the A. And if any work is considered optional, that work is unnecessary. A paper's minimum page limit is always your maximum page limit. Here's some more advice. Class prerequisites are irrelevant. Unless the school actually stops you from taking a certain class, just go for it. Make sure to take similar classes too. There'll be reviews of each other, and any papers can be used for both classes. Dual credits are also your best friend. You'll be killing two birds with one stone. Summer courses are also your best friend. There's a class you're dreading, take it in the summer. It's only half as long as the semester, so in the least you'll get things over with faster. Also, summer classes present a fun gamble. These courses are rarely taught by your run-of-the-mill professor. They're usually adjunct faculty or retired professors. Whatever. The point is, they are doing this because they like it and they usually don't care much about making your life awful. The classes are easy and you'll learn a lot. Oh, and while I'm thinking about it, minors are stupid. Do not bother with a minor. The only reason to get a minor is when you switch your major after three years and you already have all the requirements for the minor taken care of. A minor is your consolation prize for wasting all that time. So, I guess if I were to give some truly helpful advice, I'd say college is about survival. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Uh, for a minute there, when you said minors are stupid, I was thinking that was, of... That was dual meaning. Yeah, or triple. Triple, triple? meaning. What's the word? Uh, because triple I was thinking entendre? of children uh, that are minors, and they're not stupid. They're gifts from minors, heaven. the guys with pickaxe. Uh-huh, there's the are, second. Okay, and then minors... In a degree, a minor degree, are stupid is what you're saying. Yes. I'm sure minors are, you know, smart guys. And children are pretty dumb for most of their years. So, uh, but it's, you know, two out of three, I'm good. I like the idea of summer classes. Summer classes move things along. Ah, they, they're wonderful. It's also you meet a whole different kind of breed of student in a summer class. Yeah. Those that are, like, mandated, those that have to get there because there's no way they'll finish otherwise. Yeah. There's a different feeling. Yeah. In the summer class. I remember my summer classes, I learned the word dude. Dude. Um, dude. Sup. Because um, they, they don't go in the winter because they were all skiing. God. So they're oh, all there in the yeah. summer when there's no skiing. That's that is actually a weird thing in Utah. Yeah. There's people who you'll see during the summer and you'll see during the fall. But around like Thanksgiving time, yeah. they quit their jobs and they just disappear. A lot of times you're right about the teachers. They're much more passionate in the summer. Except for the I've ones noticed. that are like full-time faculty, they hate that. They hate you and they hate this class. They're like, what? I'm working. ruining my summer. I'm working during the summer. I'm going to punish you all. It's funny. You know all the tricks. But it took you six years and $555,000. all the tricks just in time to not be able to use any of them. Would you be sure to download it to these good folks? Uh, sure. You want me to update them? Want me to patch their, uh, their software? Yeah. Sky, he's an award-winning journalist. Listen to him. Stop r- rubbing that in, Matt. Award winning. I know. He's won I a know. newbie. He got a newbie. And a newbie. And I got nothing. <laughs> and no, you newbie. got a Scooby. 
What did I get a Scooby? Scuba for? diver. Oh, that's right. I got a Scooby. A patty. But he also has a, a Scooby patty. and a Scooby and a Yubi. You know why? It's because he's applied himself. <laughs> Questionable. He's not the board op though, because when you were gone, he was freaking out. Yeah. See, I'm I, telling you, my job's more. I know. And crucial. you're here, which means you can be here forever with me. Just the two of us. Yeah. Eye to eye. I don't know. I'm going to think about that one. We'll get back to that one. There's not much to think about, really. There's a lot to think about. Being here forever? Forever. (laughs) Shoot me. The rest will die. Over time. (sighs) What the best college students do, we have got an awesome expert. Ken Bain is going to be joining us. He's going to teach us what the best students are doing. Let's cut through it. Get, uh, Get your college student... Press their ear to the radio, and uh, let's start learning together. We'll be right back. College advice right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. To the Matt Townsend Show, today we are talking about what the best college students do. You know, I, I thought about it, parents, and uh, for the amount of money we're spending to get our kids to college. Now, you know, some kids are paying it themselves. I ended up paying most of it myself. But, you know, a lot of times we just end up wasting time. I remember, you know, paying fee after fee, fine after fine. And, uh, you know, I remember one time the lady, the administrar, what do they call her? The registrar. The registrar at the University of Utah finally looked at me and she said, when are you going to pay your stuff on time so you don't have to pay these fees? And I just looked at her and I just said, shut up. And I walked away. No, I didn't. I just, but she was right. Why didn't I know this? I didn't know when to register at the right time. It was horrible. I just wasn't paying attention. So today on the show, we're talking about what the best college students do. There is probably a trick, I'm going to bet, to getting through the great, you know, that big ball of red tape that we call the university process. And um, we've got a great expert today who's going to help us. He's actually even written the book on it. His name is Ken Bain. Ken is the president of the Best Teachers Institute. He served as provost and vice president for academic affairs at the University of the District of Columbia. He is the author of What Best College Teachers Do, which has been translated into 12 languages and was the subject of an award-winning television documentary series in 2007. He's also the author of the sequel book, What Is the Best College Students Do? He won the Virginia and Warren Stone Prize in 2012 and has become an international bestseller. He has won four major teaching awards. He has received the awards from Harry S. Truman Library, Lyndon Bain Johnson, Bain's Johnson Library, the Ford Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Humanities. He is also currently completing his third book on U.S. relations with the Middle East. You can find about all about all of this stuff we're talking about at bestteachersinstitute.org. Ken Bain is joining us. Ken, welcome to the program, my friend. Thanks very much. Good to be on. So you're, let's, just, let's just set the table here. Teacher extraordinaire. You've worked with college students for years. You know how teachers want it. Um, what do you see when it comes to the students? What do you see, you know, is the big mistake students are making right out of the chute to their learning? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake comes in terms of 
intentions. What do you, you mean? Know, well, if you have the intention simply to make good grades or even just to survive yeah. in uh, the college environment, that's not the same as having the intention to learn deeply, to really understand, and then, then to think about and apply what you've understood. Huge. So, the, so these have a, play a huge role in the successes and failures that uh, students will have. Do you, you just think then they're not coming in with this intent to learn, I guess, and, and actually, I, I guess, uh, apply themselves? Or what, what intention are they coming in with? You know, there's, there's been a lot of studies that have been done of, of students' intentions uh, coming into college. And and uh, two, I guess, most frequent intentions are what are called a, a surface intention or and then secondly, a strategic intention. Okay, yeah. And a surface intention is just the intention to try to memorize stuff and then spew it back on an examination to yeah. try to get through the course uh, without failing or having major emotional problems or anything of the sort. A, a strategic intention is the intention to make the highest grade. Now, that, that sounds wonderful, yeah. Uh, but there are problems with that kind of intention, and it, and it certainly doesn't match uh, the student's who come in with a very deep intention, that is a, an intention to try to understand and then to think about the implications and applications and possibilities of what they understand. Oh, man. I mean, this, this you've opened it right there. You can tell you've been focusing on this because it seems like some of this is just high school, you know, to the next level. Some of us go to high school just to get through on the surface, memorize what they want us to do, jump through the hoops. Some yeah. get a little more strategic in that, you know, they know they got to get a good grade point average so they can get to college. But it seems like we're very few people are down to that deeper level of intention that you're talking about. Right. And, and, and it's not, not necessarily their fault. No, no. It's almost sometimes uh, like the, the system. Uh, they've been conditioned. Yep. To be very strategic or, or just surface in their approach uh, to learning. It's just a, I mean, we've set up an elaborate uh, structure, really, uh, an elaborate environment that uh, encourages that, that very surface or strategic approach on the, on the part of students. Hmm. Is that, well, so is, in a weird, you're the educator and best, you know, multiple winner of multiple teaching awards. Um, is it the system makes it too hard? Or, I mean, or is this really kind of, are those three levels of intention just the same three levels of intention that we see with humanity in general? Surface, strategic, deep. I mean, is that is that how people fall out anyway? Are there just deeper people uh, that want more meaning, surface people yeah, that just want to get it done? I don't think it's anything inherent in the nature of human beings or in the nature of any one human being. It's it's the kind of conditioning that people have gone through, and if they've gone through an environment, for example, where they they've just had multiple choice examinations that require them to recognize isolated pieces of information, and they're rewarded for being recognizing those isolated pieces of information, then they begin to assume that that's what learning really is. Right. 
Yeah, there's and, and it's, this is, I guess, where we need good teachers, good administrators, good policymakers to kind of start Indeed. just saying what yeah. is what is good, what is an effective, healthy learning. How how does that look? We recently on the show we had um, another guest on that just talked about study habits, and we saw we heard a very similar, you know point that um, sometimes what we see happening in our school systems, our, our educational systems, aren't always what we want to happen. It's just, that's just how it works. And I'm sure you've seen that as a teacher as well. Oh, sure. Uh, what, Susan Bobbitt Nolan, a, a researcher at the University of Washington, did a, a really fascinating study some years ago in which she looked at students who were taught the best study habits, but yet had surface and strategic intentions. And what she found was that you could teach students the very best study habits in the world, and if they have those surface or strategic intentions, they will not use them properly, so they will not benefit from them. Oh, really? intentions play a huge role in whether anyone will even use the the good study habits that they may... uh, may be taught or may pick up on their own. That's and, and we're going to by the time we're done talking today Ken, I want you to take us through all the deep learning, deep intention stuff so we can make sure as parents that we're looking out for our kids, even make sure we're priming priming them a little bit in their learning process so it's sure. not just about kind of the strategic or surface. What are I mean you had to have in your many years working through all of this, you had to have seen some some really fascinating um, students through the surface level who were just, I mean, I, I assume these are the kids that, sure. I mean, there's probably a million ways to fake it, huh? Indeed. And uh, they are often rewarded for that kind of surface or uh, strategic approach. Yeah. So and I think there's something very fundamental that we have to understand about human motivation and it was really discovered by a researcher by the name of Edward D.C. some years ago, who, uh, in a series of experiments, discovered that extrinsic motivators, like grades, for mm-hmm. example, can actually reduce interest in something. So if someone comes into school, and you often see this in little children coming into school, they're just... You know, they're full of excitement, they're full of interest, they're full of fascination. And then they're confronted with a system uh, that emphasizes grades and extrinsic motivators rather than the intrinsic motivator. And the research suggests very strongly that all of that extrinsic motivation will actually reduce intrinsic interest. Interesting. What does it do? Does does it, I guess it... It takes them away from the inherent desire and drive, the intent right. to just be curious, and turns it, I guess, into like a competition. Is that what, what does it do? Well, primarily what it does is that it, it makes them feel manipulated. Mm. And yeah. human beings don't like to feel manipulated. They like to feel that sense of autonomy, that sense of freedom. And if if they don't feel that sense of freedom and they feel manipulated by that reward or punishment, uh, that that reward or punishment, that extrinsic motivator, uh-huh. 
is going to reduce their interests because just simply because they feel manipulated. Well, by it, it. that's fascinating because learning is so inherent. You know, you just let a kid be a kid. There's going to be some learning going on. And then we counterfeit it with grades and we counterfeit it with degrees and diplomas. And, and yeah, it would be – now all of a sudden we're competing for learning, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. And you, you contrast that with a, a kind of a natural learning approach where we sometimes as adults we, we regain that uh, – kind of intrinsic interest that we had as, as uh, children, and we you know, decide we're going to learn Chinese or we're going to learn the, to play the guitar or something. Yeah. And, and there's no sense of competition. We, you know, we go to a guitar lesson, and we pick up the guitar, and we, we learn it, but not, we're not competing. Right. And we do it intrinsically. We do it because we like the music, we like the sound, we like the language, whatever it is that we're trying to learn. Yeah, to me, this is, I think you're, I think in all your experience, Ken, this is it, isn't it? This is the way we we really get to the heart of the student instead of, you know, trying to force some awkward system on them. Let's take a break, and we're talking again with Ken Bain, the president of the Best Teachers Institute. He's also the author of What the Best College Students Do and What the Best College Teachers Do. He's educating us, right? He's teaching us how to get to the deeper deeper level of motivation and uh, with our children so that they know deeply uh, what learning really is. We're going to come back and talk about this deep learning right after this break. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. That's the happy music which means we're wrapping up this first hour. Our last segment of the first hour, the hee-haw music. That's Sky, by the way, in his band. Oh, there he is. That's him doing the bee. The mosquito, we call it. It's kind of an irritant. You just want to hit it. That's it. Happy music on the Matt Townsend Show. Today, folks, we are taking on this idea of college, uh, you know, we send our kids to the, to universities. We say it's the most important thing you'll do in your life. You know, they're struggling because all of a sudden they're finding out sometimes there's not jobs. It's costing us a lot of money. And instead of going and wasting some time chasing, you know, dreams, not quite sure that uh, our kids are even motivated sometimes when they're away to college, there is a way to make sure we're setting them up to succeed. So we've asked Ken Bain to join us. He's the president of the Best Teachers Institute. He has uh, served as provost, vice president for academic affairs at the University of the District of Columbia. He also is the author of two books, What the Best College Teachers Do and the sequel, What the Best College Students Do. And uh, you can get all the information about that. Plus, just it's just a great website, bestteachersinstitute.org. You can see everything that they're up to. Ken, welcome back to the program. Thanks very much. Good you, to be here. You bet. Before the break, we talked about the fact that we these kids come in with different intentions uh, by the way, I'm assuming kind of learned from home but and school and just systems and maybe just being humans in general, three different types of intentions, kind of a surface-level intention, a strategic level. Surface is kind of where they're just kind of memorizing. They're just trying to get through it in the learning. Strategic is where they're trying to learn how to get the highest grade, and then you call it deep learning, 
What what is this deep learning? Teach us about that. Well, it's a, a learning that intends to try to understand and then to think about the implications of that understanding and the applications of that understanding. It's a learning that leads to additional questions and making connections with other kinds of things. It's a, it's a kind of learning that is based upon a very rational system, that is based upon rational considerations of one kind or another. Huh. Yeah. Uh, is the um, is the the, the deeper because the idea of, of learning is if your mind you should be going to deeper and richer and 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 questions that aren't just obvious or questions that aren't just even about the process that you're discussing but in the deep learning you're saying they get to deeper questions about the very topic maybe questions that are more coming from their heart than the ones that are just inherent exactly. So in, in a deep learner, you get a situation where people think about their learning as they're, they're learning, and they examine their learning. They, they ask questions about their own learning. They say things like, uh, well, why do I believe this? What's the evidence that uh, leads me to this particular conclusion? What would be the problems I would face in entertaining this particular uh, notion? Uh, it's more with their identity. It almost sounds like with deep learning, you're actually integrating the understanding down to your who you are. It's not – it's exactly. no longer you know superficial. It's, it's now you're questioning how it fits into your whole scheme of life. That's right. And one of the most important aspects of taking that deep approach and, and learning deeply is that it's the road to what uh, – theorists call adaptive expertise. Hmm. And this is, uh, this is very important and uh, distinguished from routine expertise. Uh, an adaptive expert is a person, as the term implies, uh, who can adapt easily to very unusual kinds of problems. A routine expert is an expert who, who knows all the routines. They, yeah. This situation, this is what you do. This situation, this is what you do. But an adaptive expert knows also knows those routines, but has the ability and the attitude both to recognize and even to relish the opportunity and the necessity for invention. Hmm. And they're good at inventing new approaches. Isn't that the future? That is it, isn't it? That's why you've got to have an adaptive style or you'll probably be dead in the future. all of the new kinds of problems that we are facing in our rapidly changing world, we need adaptive experts. Yeah. And the research suggests that students who take that strategic or surface approach are highly unlikely to become those adaptive experts. Yeah. And it's only those who will take that deep approach who will begin to approach that uh, that level of expertise. I think of it like uh, the old movies where some guy would be there and there would be a monkey, you know, grinding or playing the accordion or something, you know. But you've, tra- <laughs> you've trained the monkey to do the routine, but that monkey's not planning ahead, booking flights, you know, you know, That's trying right. to talk people into giving more money. They just it's there's got to be more than just being the monkey that grinds down the organ, right? That's right, exactly. And, and it's that kind of adaptive expertise as the 
as the uh, uh, theorists call it, that uh, is so extremely important in our rapidly changing world. Yeah. It also seems like that's where the confidence would be. I mean, if your confidence is simply, like we were joking earlier in the show, uh, you know, back in the day, if you took type and you, you know, on the keyboard, you, you were really good at typing, boy, your life was set because, you know, there's going to be a keyboard. Well, now my eight-year-old's pounding out, you know, 75 words a minute. It's no uh, longer the most profound skill set you can have. Apparently, adaptability might be more valuable than the routine of typing. Exactly. Hmm. And, and it, you know, it's not that adaptive experts don't know the routines. They yeah, you have they to do, know the routines. They know the routines. They know the standard routines, but they're prepared for those unusual situations where the routines don't fit. You know, you got a hole in the Gulf of Mexico. Well, we've never had that before. Right. What do you do? Now what? We've got all sorts of problems that uh, we, we are facing uh, almost daily. What, what can parents be doing right now, just even with their younger kids, to ensure that adaptive learning is their model for learning? Versus, I mean, the routines, I just saw my son yesterday have, in it, I mean, I guess this is part of adaptation, is he was being tutored by his grandfather on a math problem over, I think, FaceTime. So it was, they were having a FaceTime conversation about the math problem using technology. That's great. But, um, you know, he's still just now supposed to apply the the, the, the rules for math at that stage. And in a weird way, I guess I wonder, is there a way to take something as automatic as, you know, a math lesson? How could we make that so the child is actually taking it a little deeper into the, into his psyche or into his own way of living? Yeah, I think there are a couple of things that, that uh, parents can do. Uh, one is to, to really emphasize the, the beauty of learning and the utility of learning and the value of learning in and of itself, not for the sake of the grade, yeah. but for what it can do for the individual. And closely related to that is, is constantly emphasizing the notion that l- when you learn something, it changes you. Mm. And it helps your brain to grow. It, it helps you to grow. It helps you to be able to do new kinds of things. And I think if we emphasize that notion that our brains can grow, that they can constantly change, that we can learn to do new kinds of things rather than some notion that, well, you're smart and you're not so smart and you're dumb, Yeah. but instead that everybody has the potential to learn. And the more we learn the more we can learn. So there is that possibility of constant growth. Hmm. A woman by the name of Carol Dweck, now a psychologist out at Stanford University, has been doing research for years uh, around the question of what makes some people able to deal with failure and other people just melt in the face of failure. Yeah. And 30, 40 years of research has suggested to her that the most important ingredient is having what she calls a flexible mindset. That is, having the notion 
that intelligence isn't fixed. It isn't frozen at birth. Hmm. And expand it by your own efforts, by learning things. And every time you learn something, you benefit enormously, and you, you're able to learn something else because of what you learned in the past. Yeah, we have this view that it's, I guess it's static, right? We took the class, we, you know, we passed it, we've got it, now let's watch TV. <laughs> kind yeah, of exactly. mentality. But you're saying, who was it that said that from Stanford, was it? Uh, Carol Dweck is her name, D-W-E-C-K. And she's done some really fantastic research, uh, along with some of her uh, colleagues like Lisa Blackwell and... and uh, Melissa Caymans and, and others, uh, pointing to the fact that uh, if people have the view that intelligence can be expanded, that they, they will expand their intelligence by yeah. simply learning new stuff. And every time they learn something, their brain changes. And you'd, you know, if you do an MRI on somebody's brain and then they learn something new, and you do another MRI, you can see the learning. Wow. The brain changes yeah. physically. Oh, I love that. That's, I, I think that's, that's kind of my, my very thought is every thing I learn, I can just attach or edify or add to what I've already learned. So th- huh. then you start asking questions between disciplines and you start asking uh, how those disciplines impact you. Powerful. We're talking deep learning today with Ken Bain, uh, president of the Best Teachers Institute. We're taking a break. We're going to come back. He's going to teach us about how students can apply this concept of deep learning to their own education. Uh, We'd love some calls from you as well. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. If you have a question for Ken Bain about uh, your own kids, your own teens, your college students, or yourself, give us a call. This is the Matt Townsend Show. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We'll be right back, right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're taking on, you know, college life. We all go, you know, we went, had fun, it was tons of fun, met a lot of people, spent a lot of money. Some even got educated. I wonder what percent actually reached this deep level of learning that we're talking about. We're joined with a wonderful guest, Ken Bain. Uh, Ken has been working, you know, on improving education, learning, getting us deeper in our thinking for years. He's the president of the Best Teachers Institute. He also is the author of What the Best College Teachers Do, which has been translated into 12 languages and was the subject of an award-winning television documentary in 2007. He's also created a sequel book, What the Best College Students Do, which won the Virginia and Warren Stone Prize in 2012 and has become the international bestseller. Most interestingly, though, he has won four major teaching awards. From uh, One from the Harry S. Truman Library, one from Lyndon Baines Johnson Library, one from the Ford Foundation, and one from the National Endowment for Humanities. 
He is uh, on fire when it comes to teaching. You can find more about his books, his work, at bestteachersinstitute.org. Today, though, we're talking about a deep level of learning. He calls it deep learning and, and kind of contrasts it to these other levels of learning some of us get to, the surface level where we just kind of regurgitate stuff, the strategic level where we're in search of good grades, and then the deep level. So, Ken, welcome back to the program. Thanks very much. You bet. Now, this deep level, it's kind of where we get, it's almost like we actually get connected to the real human in the, in, in the learning. The human is actually now involved, uh, asking the deeper questions, connecting it to their sense of who they are, they are, their identity. What are some things that students can do to apply and, and to get this deeper learning in their own education? Several things. One is to realize that their brains can grow and that they can constantly expand their own abilities and that really education is fundamentally about them and it's everything they learn can can help them develop what some people have called the dynamic power of their own minds. Okay. And that if they take that kind of of uh, deep approach to learning fundamentally, uh, a lot of the other things are going to uh, put into pl- be put into place. But they also have to learn good study techniques. And, and I spent some time in the book, and in the last chapter in particular, uh, talking about uh, those uh, study techniques that uh, the research finds that will be most beneficial to them. Yeah, it seems and, like we're not so good at the techniques, are we? It's... We just no, think if we think not. it's more a concept of time. If I just spend enough time on it, inherently the learning will be there. Yeah, exactly. And let's just take one example. Uh, you know, if I, I could spend four or five hours on a, an afternoon or in the evening uh, uh, cramming for an exam the next morning, mm-hmm. or I could take that, say, three hours, stretch it out, over a two- or three-week period, going 30 minutes at a time or something of the yeah. sort. And just kind Research of piece it out. That the latter is going to be far more beneficial to you. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, cramming doesn't work very well. Interesting. And by the way, the, here's the irony, is I sit across right now from the table of the guy, Skyboy, we call him. He, he runs our board here, and he's cramming for a test for tonight, I believe. Is that right, Sky? <laughs> yep, he's cramming. So we're actually going to be testing your ideas, Ken. Tomorrow, real time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Sky how he did on the test. But he, uh-huh. he, did pract- he did some study, I'm pretty sure a week ago-ish, and now he's hours from the moment before the the proverbial axe drops. And but the um, real question will not be how did he do on the exam, but whether or not that learning has a sustained, substantial, yeah. positive influence on the way he will subsequently think. Yeah. No. Okay. I can already answer that one, Ken. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not happening. He is – Sky's just kind of notorious for uh, wanting to just do strategic. He just wants to get – you know, he just wants to get into med school. Oh, my. Yeah. But you know what's but great for the rest of you out there? Someday he'll be that. operating on your head or something. Yeah. Very strategic. Oh. He's trying to talk, but he's got a mouthful of ice. 
Yeah. What were you saying, Sky? Well, my major is music, so it has nothing to do with medical school. Right so I'm now. learning stuff that... No, but you see, but what Ken's talking about is we, you wouldn't have heard because you were cramming. But um, <laughs> he's talking about that we have this deeper level of learning where we actually tie it to our deeper purpose, our deeper sense, our deeper ide- identity, and we're intrinsically just excited and deeper into learning. So if I'm never going to use this music again, yeah. is it worth it to get to that deep level with it? I, yeah, I would say yeah. All right. I'll but, change my method. No, no, don't. Just get your test done tonight. <laughs> anyway, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Everything you learn can challenge you. Oh, it's challenging him. And so th- can challenge the way you think. Yeah. If you think about education as a process that helps you become a more creative individual and to realize that that you are unique and that you are because you have a a set of of personal histories and body chemistries and so forth that uh, will allow you to develop perspectives that no one else will develop yeah then you begin to realize that education begins by understanding who you are and understanding how you work and how you think and that's where you bring uh, your gifts in, right? That's where you – that's why it's additive. That's why it's, uh, like, appreciative because you're now bringing in your great sense of you along with all of the nuances and things you've learned. That's and, right. And that's how you elevate the learning. That's right. And, and, and you know, the, the implication of the notion that each one of us is unique and capable of perspectives, originating perspectives that no one else will have – that, that's a huge idea, a very simple idea, but a very important idea because its implications are, are enormous. If I'm unique and you're unique, I can learn from you. You mm. can learn from me. Yeah. And we can both learn from Will Shakespeare or we can learn from Beethoven or we can learn from, well, you name it. But in order to learn from all of that, we have to encounter it. So we have to 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 study it. We have to to immerse ourselves in it, and we have to to uh, become involved in lots of different kinds of things. Yeah, you, you need to. Yeah, you need to have a taste of it, so so you can almost assimilate it, and make it a part of you. That's right. I spent uh, three or four years of my life, uh, really, in preparation for this last last book on what the best college students do, looking at people who went to college and who became very creative and productive individuals after college. Yeah. That was my criteria for selecting the best students. It wasn't how many how high their grades were. You didn't go by GPA. I, yeah. Yeah. It was what they became after college. And what I discovered among these people, physicians and comedians and engineers and journalists and wide variety of different folks in, in a large number of different domains is that they thought of themselves as unique and they were able to benefit from their own background and perspective and they understood that background and perspective, but they understood it in relationship to a much broader perspective. Hmm. And furthermore, they 
appreciated the notion that if they were unique, then so was everybody else in the world, and that they had a lot to learn from other people. That's and it. they could take the ideas that other people had originated and integrate them into their own ideas. Yeah. That's the... I mean, that's what's powerful. Then, then, then that almost makes us more curious, I guess. If our idea is that we're unique and they're, exactly. and others are unique, we, it would make us more curious about everything else that's going on with people. I hope so. That's brilliant. That's really, I guess, the point of all of this is, and it doesn't have to end with college. After college, we could still keep we could keep finding what we love to study, studying it and taking anything, reading books at deeper levels, and we, we should always be stirring that curiosity pot. Is that what you're saying? Exactly, and constantly growing and, and appreciating the notion that we can grow. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I appreciate you keep bringing that up because, you know, we can very easily just say, ah, yeah, well, I'm not good at that area. But the reality, like you're saying, and even the research bears out, you know, if you go learn it, you'll be able to learn more of it. And you'll learn more of it if you just keep learning. Learning begets learning. Well, what uh, Carol Dweck found in her research is that if you have a fixed view of intelligence, that it's somehow frozen, it's going to lead you to a sense of helplessness. Hmm. Now, that's easy to see among people who who have a fixed view and who peg themselves at the bottom. You know, I can't do this. I'm not a math person. I'm not a writing person. I'm not a music person. They obviously develop a sense of helplessness because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. But what she found is that people who have a, a fixed view of intelligence and peg themselves at the top can also develop a sense of helplessness Mm. because they're afraid to try anything new for fear that they'll fail. And that failure will undermine their whole self-image as, as a genius, as, right. a, as, a, as a gifted individual. So this notion of, of gifted individuals can actually undercut people. And, and one of the most intriguing discoveries in, in uh, that whole line of research that uh, Dweck uh, originated was the notion that parents and teachers with the best of intentions – can actually undermine students' perceptions of themselves. Oh, wow. Yeah. By telling them and emphasizing how smart they are rather than how hard they worked. Yeah, interesting. So person feedback, oh, what a smart little girl you are, is not nearly as effective as task-oriented feedback. Oh, you must have worked very hard on that. Hmm. Yeah, then you've kind of given them the roadmap to getting more of it instead of just assuming it's a gift, a talent. Exactly. What's that called? People feedback? What's it called? Feedback? I call it person-oriented feedback and task-oriented feedback. That's a great lesson just of parenting, isn't it? Give your kids – when you give them more of a task-oriented uh, feedback, they, they, you reinforce their ability to keep doing more or similar tasks. And you reinforce the notion that it is all about effort. Hmm. And you keep, you keep trying and finding new ways of doing things, you can solve problems. Huge. Yeah. Good work, Ken. 
Ken Bain, they can find more uh, out about you and your programs and what you're doing at bestteachersinstitute.org. Is that right? That is exactly right. I highly recommend it. Uh, Great place for just some wonderful um, learning insights as well. And you can also just get into scenarios, evaluation of teaching. They seem to do everything education there. Go check out the website, bestteachersinstitute.org, where Ken Bain is the president of that great organization. Ken, thanks so much for joining us. Sure. Anytime. Appreciate it. And uh, wow, powerful idea, this this concept of um, just the idea that you're you're meant to be a learner, right? You're here to learn. You can keep learning. Drill that into your kids' heads versus just the, the outcome, the outcome, the outcome that we tend to focus on. Did you get good grades? Did you make it happen? Versus your ability to work hard and, and learn always. Sky, are you learning? Every day of my life, especially on your show. <laughs> That's what you told me to say, right? That was very good. Thanks. That could have been scripted better. Well done. But let's not talk about the script that I wrote. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot that part. Yeah. You were almost, you had it. Don't. Hear what I said. Okay. (laughs) Just quit talking. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Sky. Maybe get into a little bit more how he's studying for his, actually, sorry, how he's cramming last minute for his test tonight. We're going to give him some hope, some energy. Merritt's also going to enlighten us on other uh, ideas about choosing a major. Right. We're going to dare do that. Okay. Maybe, Maybe Sky chose the wrong major. Who knows? I don't think he has chosen any major yet. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, Sky still taking in some ice as he's in the middle of his cramming session preparing for a big test tonight. Is that right, Sky? Yep. How, how are the preparations going? Going well. You feel good about it? Uh, I'm not expecting a very good grade on this test. Oh, well, that's a great way to start. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most failed class in the School of Music, though, Is it so, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is it about vibrato? They don't really talk about vibrato much. Because no. it seems like vibrato, you know, <laughs> usually is an accident. Yeah. I mean, unless you intended it, but that doesn't... Okay, so it's not about vibrato. It's not about vibrato. What is the test on? Maybe I can just help you a bit. It's about the Renaissance era and music from the Renaissance time period. This test is. The whole class is its survey of music literature. Yeah, well, I'm going to let you on that one. I'm just going to let you have that one. I'm going to not going to help? No, I'm going to move on to merit. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure this will be much more It's really exciting. fun. No, we it could, sounds exciting. all my test material. I'm just going to go to merit, and you just uh, turn off your mic and um, go back to studying. <laughs> yes, sir. We'll come back Bring to you. Bring in the corner, yes, sir. Guy. I mean, it sounds intriguing. It's very intriguing. Yeah. I'm having a, a blast over yep, here. Good luck with that one. Thanks. Uh, merit. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah, I know. He's, he has no he's idea. Struggling. He's going to pay. Um, okay, so Merritt, you, you're kind of an anomaly to me. I'm an anomaly. Because you, you like things, like it seems like you would kind of like general ed. I loved my general ed classes, most of them, yeah. not all of them. Do you think everyone should take general ed? So general ed, for those that don't, that don't know... Right when you go to college, they give you a year or two, probably two, mm-hmm. of just general classes so you can get a feel for what you want to get into um, and see, just a taste. That's where I disagree. I don't feel like it's a 
to feel where you want to get into. Okay, good. Keep going. I, a lot of this has to do with where I did my general ed and some of the professors that I had. Yes. Okay. So, let's go. So there. that you know it takes it into account. Yeah. Where I went, I did my general education at BYU Idaho, and they have kind of a different general ed philosophy. Okay. Than really any other school. What? They really want you to see how it's applicable to you. And so that was a major focus in all of our classes. How, how does this everything work? applies to yeah. you? So, for example, instead of a physical science class, I took a class called Understanding DNA, where we talked about DNA and love it genetic programs, yeah. um, stem cell research, cancer. It was just everything that you kind of needed to know to be yeah. really well educated in that. Well, sense. it seems like it's what and, uh, Mr. Bain, Ken Bain, was talking about earlier. That would make us think deeper because exactly. it ties to us. But you know, even even without those classes, I think I still would have appreciated general ed. Like, yeah. So the thing is, is that you don't do a general ed class because it's something that is going to be immediately applicable to no, you. But isn't that what? Mo- so when I think of the students coming to campus, a lot of them are, I guess, in an exploration. Yes, to find out. it's true. But some just want to get going. They know where they want to go. Mm-hmm. So, so that seems like they'd be frustrated. Yeah. So that's where you need to kind of take a step back and you see – I mean – and I I feel slightly hypocritical saying this because I have a general ed class that I'm taking this semester that's really frustrating to me. Yeah. But I was talking to my dad who is a university professor. professor. I know. And he said that if I don't learn anything from that class, it's my fault. So I felt kind of humbled by that statement. Look at the lip. See, your dad's giving you professor lip. (laughs) He was. But he told me that I needed to um, humble myself for his exact words and see what I could do to learn from that class. So that's kind of how I feel about general ed is that you need to look at that class and you need to say, what can I learn from it? So from your math class, um, I'm I'm going to film. I'm really not going to use math. I think the only numbers – Associated, that would be a box office grossing uh-huh. yeah. and twelve millimeter film versus, or <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like right. different. Yeah, that's the only numbers I'm ever going to be dealing with. But um, so, but there are other so, things I learned. You're I learned math. Uh, yeah, but I had to take math. I have to take statistics. But hey, guess oh. what? If I take a statistics class, I can more accurately read articles and know whether or not those statistics are valid. Well, that's also assuming you survive. That is assuming I survive because the statistics, statistics class. I might just worst be thing a I did crater. In college. Yeah. That might be all that's left. Yeah. I oh Bryce got a hunker. Let's what's up. Statistics was probably my favorite class. Really? It's the only class that I've taken outside of my major that I see as being useful and worth knowing. Oh my heavens. Because you... because we get bombarded by statistics. Yeah. It's math that has a physical, you know, there's right. stuff related to it. Someone didn't just make it up out of that. I just head. had a vision. You who didn't want to go get a master's and a doctorate. I let's just I didn't want to do school after I don't have to do school. The table is set. You, my son, need to go get a doctorate in psychology. Not happening. Statistics and you're incredible at psychology. And uh, by the way, award winning. He is award-winning and tall and dashing and all dashing, those other things. Dashing, dasher, prancer, <laughs> vixen. He's got it all. No. So <laughs> so your parents have taught you – they're just giving you the wisdom of a professor. Yeah. And the professors kind of know a lot. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what they're paid to it's do. It's because they got the doctorate. Know things. Bryce. I know. So 
I think it's interesting. So what if you kind of take the class from what the professor thinks, what the professor expects from you, yeah. I kind of feel like most people would do better in class, not just because the professors would most likely like you more. Totally. But, you know. Well, so what What? What do they want? Um, That's the question. They want students to act like adults. That's a big one. Yeah. They're not they there to babysit. No, they're not there to babysit. So when um, when, let's say, you get an assignment and the instructions aren't super clear, they want you to take that. As a challenge. Yeah. Oh, man. I saw that all the time. Yeah. So what do you? What exactly do you want the paper to look like? No, you like, know what? No, you, you Just deliver. Care. All we and care you know is you That's deliver. That's a useful skill for the workplace. great skill. Because you're going to be handed things mm-hmm. and like finish this project. I'm like, I don't but you know, know it's funny. I didn't get project. that until I was a doctor in the doctoral program. Really? That's when they kind of said, you know, hello, you should – don't ask us. I'm an arts major, so all of my assignments are super, super vague. Maybe uh, yeah. that's just part of it. That's good. It's like, do something creative. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. Now, um, other things that professors want, they want you to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Be involved in what you're learning about because there's no way they can know what you want to learn right. if you don't ask. But you need to know, too. You, know, yeah. you need to know what your strengths are, what yeah. you need to know. Here's one. Um, don't save all of your critiques or your needs until the last student evaluation of the yeah, semester. Huge. I can see Sky's <laughs> already doing that. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. We'll catch up to get him. No, so it's um it's a big deal because if you don't tell them they want to serve you. That's yeah. kind of a professor's. They're not out they're to get for. you. They're no. not there to I mean hurt every you. once in a while you do have that one professor who's yeah. like vindictive. Curmudgeon. I don't you know. They're old, I guess. They can do whatever they want. But there's nurse ratchet and then there's professor ratchet, right? Uh huh. My favorite wrench, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but most of the time they're there to help yeah. you. So don't bottle up all of your right. and then And then go online. There's so many times. I've, there are quite a few times when I've just gone to a professor and I said, this really isn't working for me. I really don't understand why we're doing this. Or Have you really? This is boring. Yeah. Well, it's because you can just throw around Meekum. And they're all like, oh, are you Professor Meekum? Because I'm – yeah, no. Yeah. No, sadly. But for the rest work. of us, you know, that's how that's how students end up just missing off the campus. Yeah. Um, other things, don't sleep. That's, that's In one In the class. Thing. Yeah. That's kind of offensive. They don't like that one. But what if you're recording while you're sleeping? That would be a major problem, I'm assuming, which is probably why we struggle on the show sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, sleepy sleepies. Yeah. They also want you to come prepared. So yeah. don't like those readings are there for a reason, sadly. I mean, we all don't. Nobody wants to do work, but yeah. they're there so that you can enhance your learning experience. So that's a good lesson. You know, if you kind of take it from the point that these, this is their job, they're trying to serve you. And if you view your professors as your friends instead and, of as you know, evil, horrible, as potential. Yeah colleagues someday that you probably will learn a lot more so i'm with you that's my advice for the hour would you what advice just in about 20 seconds would you give some kid that hasn't studied enough that's about to go take a test on renaissance i guess music and is probably already sure he's going to fail it what would you say i would say um pray eat chocolate and get it over with yep doesn't sound that bad not at all i would say just it's like just jumping into the street when a car is coming. You just pray. <laughs> you just get chocolate. Just a bus. A, a bus. bus you yeah. Know. Boom. A bus. Over. And you just you can you can worry about it all day, but you also don't want to miss the bus, right? Just yeah. jump. What's the worst thing that could happen? You die. I mean, what's well, so bad yeah. About no, I mean. in the bus example, you could die. 
you know, the worst thing that happens is you get impelled by the Renaissance music or whatever yeah. you're studying. You'll be fine. Yeah. Hey, just know this. We're behind you. Thanks. If you fail and you can't graduate, it doesn't matter. That just means you're with us more. You should, like, set up a reward system for me. Of course I should. So, like, if I get a certain percentage, you'll get me... Yeah, but that's what we learned today is we don't do. That's an extrinsic motivator. I'm just going to leave it up to you, your character, (laughs) your purpose, your vision. Sky, but do know we love you. Thanks, Matt. And uh, don't miss your bus. (laughs) You'll be great. What's the worst thing that can happen? The Matt Townsend Show is going to come back after this break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to a mother who has been putting uh, kids through school for years, and we're going to learn some best practices of uh, one of our great, you know, sister broadcasters, Peggy Woodruff's going to be joining us. She's on our sister station, Classical 89 Radio. We'll be right back talking about how to motivate your kids. The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about, uh, you know, college. Sending your kids off to school, best way to help them learn. We're even trying to help our own Sky Boy get through a test he's cramming for tonight. Uh, We pretty much don't have a lot of hope, but um, he does. Do you, Sky? Any hope? A little bit. Not. You know what? I'm going to have Peggy bring you some hope because she is a glimmer of light. Peggy is uh, is a member of our broadcasting team here at BYU Radio. She works at Classical 89 Radio. We call her uh, – she's our, 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 our resident mom. <laughs> That's what I am. You're a mom, a mother of six kids. Yes. Right? A bachelor's degree in theater and cinematic arts. Mm-hmm. She's been married to her husband for 29 and a half years, six beautiful kidlets. They've lived abroad in Brazil uh-huh. running – 200-plus missionaries all around Brazil. You were leaders of those Mormon missionaries that everyone sees out wearing their white shirts. Great kids. And this was in Brazil, foreign country. Yes. And in, in a tough town, what what, uh, what the Anglos would say Recife, but it's... Recife. Recife. Peggy's done it all. She's a Spanish speaker and now a Portuguese speaker. Any other languages we need to? Well, I studied French for six years before really? I was sent on my Spanish speaking. That mission. was kind of like a trick. <laughs> oh, well. They played a trick it on helped. you. Um, help me. Help me, help me, help me. Six kids. You've sent them away to college before. Well, no, never away. Because oh, you were always where the school was. I'm kind of in the middle of this process because three, I have three have graduated. I have uh, degreed and all. They're done. They're done. Graduate students, any of them? Yes, my daughter got her master's. She just oh, graduated this year and is a social worker. Wow. My oldest son is a a, a broadcast um, a news anchor, TV news anchor Where? in Wisconsin. Really? So for an ABC shout out affiliate. there. Okay. And then I have a son who's a, a computer programmer now. He just graduated this so year. So three of six are done, and three are still going. Three are going, and okay. So to me, that college is a weird deal because there's money involved. We don't really want to waste this. <laughs> Quite a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I'm thinking, how have you guys gone about even just setting it up so they knew they were responsible? 
Well, we let them know early on that we would not be able to foot their entire bill, that we would help all we could, but that they needed to, number one, work, and that they needed to do their best so that maybe they could get scholarships. Huge. And that, you know, they might have to stop for a semester and work, or none of them have had to do that yet. They've managed on good grades to get scholarships and... And I had a great-grandfather who left me some stock. It wasn't a great deal of money, but one day I thought to myself, education was go. something my great-grandfather liked. Wouldn't he like if I used this money toward education? So that's that's how you're doing it. We tried to pay half, and we said, you're responsible for half. I love that. But see, I love, too, that they have to own it. Yeah, they did. How early did you tell them this? Cause very early. you can't spring that on them, <laughs> right? Yeah, very early. We had... Financial discussions yeah. as the as the years went by, we'd have a, a family meeting where we talked about how much life cost, mm. and that they needed to plan that they're not going to live with mom and dad forever, right. but they're going to yeah. fend for themselves. Did any of your kids go away? Because so you live in town here where BYU is. Yes. So is that where they all went? But they'd live at home and go to school. It, it, it turned out a very good thing to be able to live at home. They're all extremely social, so it didn't cramp their social yeah. life at yeah. all but um but so yeah we've done it all here my i had one son who didn't make it into byu and mm. so he went out to uvu but that's still in town totally so that's you know much more cost effective totally. than and byu is not horrible yeah it's pretty it's got a as good far value as tuition goes. yeah yeah it's a very good value what what else did you learn as a mom i mean it seems like sometimes it's this going away to college where they this is where they really cut the the, the apron strings and yeah. did, did that what have you learned about it what's the thing moms dads should be doing i always felt like my job was to make myself obsolete was to work myself out of a job so that when I bid them goodbye, I wouldn't have to worry about whether yeah. they could do it or not. So my kids all started doing their own laundry when they were 12. Really? And they I, they assumed that it was because I didn't want to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted the smaller job. I just wanted them to be able to, to do, do that laundry. with just cold, no problems. Um, You've been teaching them skills Hopefully, Forever. yeah. I think we all so. think we do, but yeah. I didn't teach him how to cook very well. Unfortunately, didn't you? I did most of that, and they helped. They chopped. They, yeah, you know, they pounded potatoes, things <laughs> like that. If I could go back, I'd do that a little better. Would you teach him cooking skills? Yeah. I mean, there's always the microwave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can live on a hot yeah. dog in a microwave, right? <laughs> I mean, sure, you're gonna you die early, but. What what other lessons have you learned? What other things should parents know? Well, I figured that when college began, there were no more rules per se. They were living at home, but I couldn't keep that same relationship of I'm the mom and I make the rules or, you know, I'm the dad and I make the rules. We had friendly advice. (laughs) Keep in mind that nothing really wonderful happens after midnight. Things like that. Oh, mom. And I always asked them to let me know when they were home so I wouldn't wake up and think, someone's missing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I try not to give advice unless they ask for it. Did you ever notice they'd actually ask? uh, Because do they come and ask? They do. So if you actually withhold advice, they'll actually (laughs) eventually ask for it. Then Uh boom, 
Mm-hmm. Now they'll take it. I mean, yeah. or at least be open to it. Yeah. That's a great idea. And I tried to do that in academic matters too. You know, I when they were in high school, I'd say, okay, you wrote that paper, put it away for a day and then look at it again and do a rewrite and it'll be better. And that worked with most of them except my oldest son who never did a rewrite. It was always – he always handed in the first draft. Really? And, you know, it turned out all right because he has to write news copy fast. Interesting. And his first draft has to be perfect. And so it's, I've read some of, his, some of his first drafts and they're fabulous. It's interesting because your kids all did something different. Media mm-hmm. – uh, social work and I have a couple of computer boys. One who wants boy. to go into business and one who wants to go into PR. Really? Mm-hmm. How did you? How did you help them? I mean, you're a broadcaster. You're also you're an artist. You're an actress. How did did you help push them? Scope. I mean, help them create a better idea of what they wanted to do. How um, did you get? My oldest son knew he wanted to be a news anchor when he was 11 years old. By just watching the he news? He saw Bruce Lindsay on Did the he, news yeah. on KSL in Salt Lake City, and he knew that that was who he wanted to be. Interesting. And so he started making newscasts with our video camera oh, with great. his friend Adam and f- stuff that we just roar over now. Yeah. We go back and look at those. So he knew exactly. Rachel didn't know. My daughter, my only daughter, didn't really know what she wanted. School was not her biggest love. Yeah. She didn't know what she wanted to do. I heard you talking earlier about general ed. Yeah. And for Daniel, it was, you know, just, let me get through this. Yeah. But for her, it helped her discover social work. Is that where she found it? That's where she found it, in a general ed class. And she's got her master's in it now, and she loves it, and she's very, very good at it, working with families at risk and with children especially. Did you sense that's where she'd go? I mean, did you already have a sense? I really worried. Did you? Like, she's (laughs) got nothing. What's she going (laughs) to do? And she went on and got a master's. Mm -hmm. It really is that it's this art. It's kind of the the parental art, I guess, of guiding them without squishing it. You know, you don't want to – you want to give them enough opportunity without killing the flower. But you don't want to neglect it. We always tried to say, sure, try it. What's Why the not? Worst thing? Yeah. <laughs> and they did. And a lot of those ideas get kicked out the window. You ever just sit there and worry like because I would worry if they came home, I want to be something like maybe it is a social worker. They're not they, known for money. Nope. And they're all not. of a sudden And she knew it. <laughs> did she? Did that ever worry you? Or do you just kind of say, Okay, life's no, not just I was about just money. so glad she found something that she enjoyed that I that it was great for me. Um I have a son I worry about a little bit because school's not his best thing. Yeah, that's another thing. What if what if they're not into school? And how, as a parent, do you just okay <laughs> try just it? Go, yeah. <laughs> we prod gently and try not to run his life, um, but there's room for maturity too. Yeah. There's room to grow up and yeah. and. My goodness, I didn't learn my math until I was homeschooling one of my children, and I got the algebra out because he had to learn it. And, <laughs> and so I had a motivation to learn it, and I learned algebra. You got it. That's real learning That's when right. you have a motivation to do it. And you and, and you were doing it in a weird way. You were doing it for your kids. So that may have even been a different motive for you. It turned out to be great yeah. for me. Did you think when you were younger you didn't have the aptitude for it? 
Because, um, like, I, I know yeah. I, my big joke is Townsends don't do math, but I know I could go do math. Yeah. But it's easy to instead of just say, ah, we're, we, we don't have that aptitude. You know, in, in elementary school, they tested me high in math in the standardized test, which now I just don't believe in. Yeah, right. Yeah. But – and in seventh grade, they put me in an accelerated class, and I drowned. I, I felt that pressure to move along with the group, and so I didn't ask questions, and yeah. I didn't go step by step and made sure, make sure I understood. And I, that's where I lost it. Hmm. I lost the math. What do you think your son's going to end up doing, the one that's not necessarily loving? He's a people person. Is He's he? going to be a great people person wherever he goes. He'll be a salesman. He, well, he'll make tons of very money and possibly. be rich. He wants to go into public relations, Does he? and that's I think great. he'd be great at that. Oh, yeah. If he can get through the, <laughs> the general a, ad. <laughs> a lot of yours uh, – your, what does your husband do? He is um, – he works for the missionary department in Salt Lake City of the oh, Church wow. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So he is in charge of uh, almost 60,000 missionaries right now. Holy cow. <laughs> of course not. He should bring them home to dinner. <laughs> if he ha- if he loved you at all, Peggy, he'd let you be hanging out with 60,000 missionaries. Oh, great fun. Good old memories. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm a young dad. My oldest is 21, 20, on down to 10. Eight, but they couldn't be more different. And I just sit there and I think, oh man, what's college going to be like when mm-hmm. they're eight, when they're eighteen? Yeah. Did that worry you that? I mean, you don't want your children to miss an opportunity. You don't want any misses. Did Did it ever worry you that some just wouldn't go? No, they knew that we went, and they knew that we knew thought it was important. We didn't care whether it was college or yeah. vocational training. But get some advanced. My youngest son went and learned how to be a welder in high school. Yeah. And by golly, if he decided to do that, that would be great too. Yeah. But but they all understood that there had to be some sort of post-high school education and, and some way to support themselves and their families. Huge. Any other advice for parents with those oh, cute boy. little kids in college? Feed them, teach them how to do their laundry. What 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 was your what was your mo or what was your approach when they'd come home and just be sick of it at college? Well, I you know some of them do kind of crash and burn that first year. Yeah, it's different than high school, and I think you just got to say this. You know, you will live past this. No one's died doing this. You're figuring out how it works. Sometimes it isn't perfect the first semester. Yeah. But generally they they you know picked up the next semester did better and better. Yeah. Um it comes. It comes, it comes. With time. You're so calm. <laughs> why why aren't you mess why aren't you like freaking out? I don't know. I guess six kids in 8 years cuz kind of yeah. made me had to be calm. I don't know. <laughs> cuz it really is um parents it's not like we can force it. Right, it's their life. It's their choice. It's them. So at some point, you just probably get calm, thinking yeah. it's them. And you know, I'm a sort of a person who wants to control things, and I've had to take a deep breath and let go and say, you know, this—he's not an axe murderer. <laughs> so just be glad that things are going as well as they are. And you can't control no. it. You gotta let them be them. Yeah, you probably ought not even try. 
No, definitely. Seems like the minute you start controlling them. But, you know, you've seen parents that, you know, you really ought to do what I do. <laughs> you ought to be a lawyer because I'm a lawyer. You ought to be a doctor because I'm a doctor. Did anyone say, I'm going like to go do broadcast? Well, your, your son is doing broadcasting. Yeah, he was a broadcaster before I was. Did he you was... follow his lead? Uh, well, sort of, yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Really. You're, the, you're following your children. He was pleased about it too. Was he? Yeah. He loves Where it. can they listen to you? Is uh, there a way to hear it online? Uh, classical, classical 89. 89. Yes, classical89.org. And you just click on listen now. There's a choice of four different streams that you can choose, and it tells you which one's best for the device you're using. Man. And we have great classical music. But that's the other thing that takes some serious brains. See, over here, we don't have brains. We just <laughs> yeah, spew. You do. We just talk. <laughs> but you you actually have to like be able to pronounce things. I do. And the languages helped there. Yeah, I that bet it That helped has. a lot. Man. And I listened to the station for most of my adult life, and I forced my children to listen to oh, it. Oh, did you? <laughs> they, and I came up with some, uh, some music fans, some classical music fans. Had a girl. See how that works? I figured, One way or another. I figured that music made a person of depth and of sensitivity. And, oh, yeah. That's, and that it would help them in their lives. You can tell on our show who actually listens to classical music and who doesn't. Like Merritt totally does. And the rest of us, not so much. <laughs> anyway, Peggy Woodruff, you're the best. Thanks again for giving us the mom's perspective. Again, check out. Go to byuradio.org. Look up uh, Classical 89 Radio, and you'll get to the joy, right? Thanks, yeah. Thank you, Peggy. Appreciate it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to play a game Bryce has put together called What Would a College Kid Do? I think it's going to involve fire, I'm pretty sure. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Everybody. That's the happy music to wrap up the Matt Townsend show. As we wrap it up, we're still joined by Peggy Woodruff, Mom of the Year. Uh, that's what we're calling you. Uh, and and Peggy and I are going to be playing a game um, put together by our own Bryce Tobin. Bryce, what's the game? What would a college kid do? Woo! Do you like Ow! my old school radio yeah. voice? That was really good. I kind of hated it a little bit. No, it sounded you really. Liked it? it sounded okay. like Bob Barker. Oh, Bob Barker. Or the guy that reads remember, for Bob Barker. Remember yeah, this? Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Um, I don't remember. Uh, Rob knows his name. A new yeah. car. Yeah. <laughs> a brand new car. Anyways. You guys. What would a college kid do? Here's, yeah. what Here's the game. I'm going to give you scenarios that college kids often find themselves in. Right. Okay. I know the right answer to this. Right. I know the right way to solve this. The right way. I know the correct way. Okay. Uh, get creative. Tell me how you would solve it if you have a good idea. Okay. Okay. First problem. No space for dishes in the cupboards. Where do you store your dishes? Okay. Peggy. The, the refrigerator. Oh, that's good. Whoa. Who says you need dishes? <laughs> if I were a college kid and I didn't have place for my dishes, I would no dishes. paper plates or paper towels. That's one. You don't need it. There dish. you go. I, I'm, I, the correct answer is very much in line with what Peggy said. It's uh, leave them in the dishwasher. There you go. Just wa- keep idea. running it, keep washing it. Okay. If you have a dishwasher, lucky true. college student. That's true. I Not wash mine with by hand. Yuck. You d- see, again, why get a plate? You could just use a paper towel and just throw it away. True. I mean, sure, it's not good for the ecosystem. That is killing trees. But all right, next one. You made a pot of spaghetti, but you don't have any plates. 
how do you eat the spaghetti? Piece of cake. We just ate stuff out of the pot. Exactly. Everybody grab a fork. Yeah. Gather around. Family style. Family style. <laughs> That's the, called family out of the style. Same receptacle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just everybody grab a fork. Something my dad says is any college student worth his degree has eaten macaroni out of the pot. That's right. That's um, the only way to eat it. Okay, here's one from a movie. If you tell me if you recognize it, okay? So you cooked a bunch of spaghetti again, but you don't have a strainer. What do you do? Oh yeah, it's that one where they got the screen door. It's the it's the series Ooh. of unfortunate events. I I was not thinking of that one, but yes, but yes, <laughs> screen door. So they took their screen door off. Yeah, makes they did. look. You wanted to strain it. Mission accomplished. Uh, why don't you just get a plate and just move it to the edge? That's of a the good idea. That's a better idea than a screen door. Pour the water out. No, no, no. Even better. This from some movie. Um, use a tennis racket. Matt, I thought you would have got that. What That's, movie was it? I don't know. I remember. Hey, uh, telling me. <laughs> don't use your hand. Don't. Because I've done that. Do not do that. It, Water's hot. <laughs> hot <laughs> water. Blisters. Yeah, that hurt. All right, here's, here's one that, that is resonates with my, my life, okay? You cook a pizza, but you don't have a pizza cutter. How do you eat that pizza? You rip it. Rip it? You, a rip knife. you have a knife? You uh-huh. see, knife. Everyone thinks you can do it with a knife. That just mangles the pizza. No, well, I mean a real it. knife. So, so I guess how do you how do like you a not... hunter's knife that you would have in Deer Hunter 2014? I love how Victoria knows that. <laughs> Good job. I would use a real knife, a hunting knife. You... <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't have one. You'd actually just use an axe, yeah. and just pow right there. Or I'd ask my roommate, "Hey, can I borrow your pizza cutter?" No, no, there is no pizza cutter in the apartment. Then I'd go next door where the really pretty girls, co-ed girls, are, and I'd say, "Can I borrow your pizza cutter?" They always have one. Do they? they? Mm-hmm. Do they? Okay, mom taught them never. Here's to Here's what you do, one. Bryce. I just fold it into a taco, pizza taco. One, there two, three, go. boom. How big is this pizza? Big enough. I thought you had to share it. No, not necessarily. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Then, then that's good. What if you don't want to share your food? Is it appropriate to lick it so that no one else can have it? That wouldn't stop me. That's pretty rude. <laughs> if it's my food, I'm going to lick it, and no one that wouldn't stop you. I would not. That's gross. That would stop me. <laughs> cold sores. What if I say I have cold sores? <laughs> I'll just make sure it doesn't it? touch the, the oh, outside man. of my mouth. Okay, because my kids always try the lick it thing, and we like that's not appropriate. <laughs> Anyway, we're okay. trying to get it. Fixed. Here's one. What's the best way to save time as a college kid? What's the best way to save time? Uh, move your clock back. That's that's pretty smart. Um, we always went without sleep. Uh, that's one way to do it. Uh, McCall Morris of our PR team. She said, "Move your bed into the kitchen." That's what she did. What? Yep, she moved her bed into the kitchen. How what? does that save time? Well, I don't think it's a significant time saver. Breakfast but in bed, though. Always. <laughs> Breakfast in bed, always. But see, then you'd have all these crumbs in your bed. And I wonder if her roommates appreciated it. I don't know, but apparently, I don't, eh, I don't know. Who's that girl sleeping in the kitchen? Why is she Why is she there? That's McCall. Don't worry. That's kind of, uh, yeah, there's better ways to save time. Okay, here's another one from McCall. So you boiled the potatoes, you added the butter and the milk, but you don't have a potato masher. How do you make mashed potatoes? Well, if you stir them really fast with a spoon, and if they're really well done, they will. That's if they're super boiled, they will fall apart. Uh-huh. Yeah. Matt, how would you make them? Um, fork. You'd use a fork. 
we're, we're use, talking not, not or two forks. Yeah, I'd, two forks. Use, <laughs> I'd use four forks if I had to. <laughs> or I would never have bought real potatoes, and I would have bought the little fake mashed potatoes uh, spud thingies. The the old college switcheroo. Yeah, that's what I would do. The correct way, according to McCall, is to punch them. Use your fist and mash them. Okay. That if they're hot, violent. that's not very hot. Right? Potatoes can stay pretty warm for a well, while. Well, McCall, that's kind there of There is violent. nothing hotter than a hot potato. Truth. Uh, except you have never seen Bryce in his uh, in a collared shirt. Is he pretty hot? That's what they say. That's that's the word <laughs> on that's the what street. The, that's what the word around the office okay. is, is. Ooh, he's wearing a collared shirt. Last one. House stinks. What do you do? <sighs> you... Um, Kick out the roommates. That was my first thought. But well, one you can't thing do that. you just you get a candle. Candles are good. You go next door to the same lady that has the pizza cutter, and you say, "Can I borrow you one can't of your live, candles?" You can't live through your neighbor every time. Matt. Oh, sure you can. That's what it's about. <laughs> like, that's it's how about I made codependency. It. Stomping on the throats. I'd, of others. I'd borrow a candle from a neighbor because I wouldn't have one for myself, or I would open up all the windows. Uh-oh, here comes Victoria. My windows in my dorm don't open. So then what do you do? You would die. You <laughs> try, would die. Try cleaning the house. A little Clorox does wonders. You, you Cleaning it? You chase down the smell. You kill it with what some What if Clorox. the smell is a human? Ooh. Covering Clorox. Take care of the problem. Bleach him. Bleach. Tell him Jimmy, to shower. Jimmy, right. we're going to have to bleach you now. Those are great. See, you always went to like, you're just very... Um, well, I've kept house Loving, for 30 years. Careful. <laughs> yeah, I just thought matches and a and a candle. The correct answer, dryer sheets on the vents. Oh. Wow. It makes it all smell like laundry, but it's better than some things I've Did smelled. Did someone do laundry? Nope, dryer sheets like, on nope, the vents. Nope, it's the apartment. Deal with it. It's a great idea. See? And who who would think that our college students didn't know what to do? We're going to be uh, – we're done. Peggy, thanks. Good to be here. You Thank did it you. again. I learned a lot. Oh, good. <laughs> you got to come back. We'll have her back. Love to. Peggy's going to teach us the art of uh, being a healthy human. The rest of us just messing you up. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to be back tomorrow giving you a little bit of good in life. It's not all bad. Life has got a lot to live for. And uh, let's uh, go out there, love our families a little bit more. Join us again tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.